There is so much unpredictability in today's financial world. To successfully retire in that environment, it's so important to get on track and stay there. And that's why Steve Davis and Sean Toll of Davis Wealth Management bring you the Path to Wealth and Wisdom podcast. And joining them today to help keep you on the right path, here's Peter St. James. Talking about phases of retirement today. I thought there was going into retirement, retired. There's more of a phase than that? We typically look at, at three phases of retirement oh. and think about you know, kind of your, your working life and, and, and where you spend the most of your time. We call that the accumulation phase. You're working, you're making money, you're paying your bills. Hopefully, uh-huh. if you're doing it properly, you're saving as well. You're accumulating your retirement savings. Okay. All right? We typically spend 30 to 40 years of our life doing that. Yeah, because you're really not saving in retirement. No, in retirement, you're preserving. Right. Okay. Right? You've okay. saved all this money. You hopefully have a, an idea for how much money you need every year to survive. If you work with us, we'll have you do that survival worksheet so we know what your expenses are. Um, but this is about preserving that money and taking as little as you can out of it to pay your bills. So you want to make sure that you don't run out of money because the biggest thing that scares us is running out of money before we die. Is that That's still a, bad a realistic thing. concern? Absolutely. Okay. Number, Every day. One, uh, probably number one concern. Yeah. Okay. Even and, more and, so. And it's yeah. interesting. I know Sean hit on, you know, not being able to save money in retirement. And that that's kind of a, I've seen where people do save in retirement. Really? Yeah. They, they've done such a good job of paying off debt, living the lifestyle that fits their needs, which is not this, you know, jet setting here and there. They still go on a vacation a year, but they- Tend to save some money. But they did that going into retirement in the accumulation stage. It's not so, a trait that they picked up once they retired. Correct. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah, they already had it going on yeah. for themselves. They already had I was going to say it might themselves. be harder to switch gears once you're in retirement yeah. to try and scrimp and save. And you can do it. Uh, let's face it. That accumulation stage started when you mowed your first lawn, shoveled your first driveway. Right. Sure. sure. Right. Did you? Sh- I, I saved. Mm-hmm. Um, I was one of seven kids. And uh, you know, number six, you didn't get anything. And, no, uh, you didn't get anything new. <laughs> no, I, my first new pair of sneakers was in sixth grade. Well, I'm sure. But I'm I sure. said, I, you know, I was shoveling driveways, cutting lawns, delivering newspapers. I but started if, accumulating and saving. If saving because I want that baseball glove, saving because I want that pair of skis, whatever, whatever it was. So are the other six now looking to you to support them. Yeah, I wish that <laughs> was the case. <laughs> Let's talk about this for a minute. This 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 accumulation and saving phase because Steve said, you know, when you sell your first lemonade or shovel your first driveway or cut your first lawn, you start making money and saving. What a lot of people don't know is you're going to have to file some taxes, but your children could start saving into a Roth IRA. They can start as soon as they have really? earnings. Yes. Set up a Roth for your kids, right? You know, you're going to have to file taxes at the end of the year, but, you know, you got to pay Uncle Sam anyway. Set that up and allow them to start really early. The power of compounding is massive if you can start when you're 10, 12 years old, whatever the case may be. Yeah, but okay, pay taxes. So the kid makes $400. I mean, we're not talking a lot of money at that point. Yeah, so they're essentially not going to pay tax because they don't make enough. Right. Um, but then they can put that money, you know, some of their money into that into that retirement account. Wow. I think it's about teaching saving. It's, it's and teaching a good yeah. lesson. Yes. Yeah. yes. Wow. I didn't know yeah. that a, you, it's in the parent's name or it's in the, the child's name. You can put it in the child's name. You can. Mm-hmm. As, long wow. as, they're, as long as they're filing. Yeah. 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 So right. you're not if the, they're you, not filing, then you can start right. an account in the parent's name. I'll be darned. You know, you can do an up account and That's regular account. Good name. thinking. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, I have a lot of clients who do that for their uh, grandkids. They'll start 
um, accumulation phase for them once they're born to help pay for college 18 years later instead of giving these kids money at their birthday christmas or yeah, holiday yeah. The, the the grandparent will set up an account and put money into it it's into the grandparent's account but at age 21 or depending on which account 21 or 26 sure. that account now becomes the the, the grandkids right? oh, wow it yeah. switches does, does this replace grandparents and aunts and uncles buying savings bonds i think when kids are younger they are much better off being more aggressive. Uh, they have the time to recover. They can get better yields, better compounding interest than savings bonds. Wow, that's my personal hmm. opinion. Wow, a- absolutely. If you're if you're looking to save for more than seven to ten years, you you can afford to be aggressive um, in, in that, especially oh. for children. Now let's talk about that third phase, right? Right. We talked about accumulation, preservation. preservation. The last one is distribution. Ah. That unfortunately happens after you've passed away, but you should put. You should plan for it. So basically what this means is you've got money. Perhaps you have – you don't risk running out of money. How do you want to leave what you don't spend to your loved ones or charities or what that might be? So you can work to put certain um, programs in place um, that will dictate how your estate is dispersed to however you see fit. And you do want to plan for that. You do because if you – don't it may go through probate anyway but if you don't plan at all it's definitely going through probate mm-hmm. um and and probate's an ugly thing it takes a long time three to six to 12 months mm-hmm. it's going to cost three to five percent of the assets uh in your estate it's public so mm-hmm. everybody and their brother and sister will know what you owned what you did because the courts have to make it public and then the last thing is it's, it's going to be contestable right. so if you haven't set up a trust and put your assets into a trust gonna say. it's going to go to court and this is where families start to get torn apart a little bit because you know, it takes it out of your hands. Siblings are fighting other yeah. siblings about, you know, dad's estate. Um, maybe even the neighbor says, boy, you know, Ralphie was rich. I think he owed me some money from a poker night yeah, at one right, point. So right. here, here's the thing. Put a trust uh, in place. Put your assets into that trust and keep it out of probate. I was going to say, once you do a trust, it, it circumvents probate. It does. Okay. And your wishes are sacrosanct. End of story. Correct. I want the the... Uh, the, the people that raise horses down the street, I want them to have some money because they do good work, whatever. And what it allows you to do is really create a succession plan. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, there, to me, there's a difference in that distribution phase as, okay, is this just you know distribution? Okay, whatever's left, that's what they're getting. Or am I trying to create a succession plan of what I've done in my life so that carries on to the kids, my grandkids, or even great-grandkids? Mm-hmm. Uh there's a lot of planning involved and that's where sitting down with Sean and I, we walk you through that process. Is is that what you want to do? Or is it, you know, at that point it's okay. Whatever left goes where it goes. Sure. You know, just to this person or or this charity, there's a difference of, of, you know, what type of plan. Can I still change a trust or once it's done, it's done. You can still, change a okay, trust okay so there's two types of trust yep. there's revocable and irrevocable okay. we are not by any means attorneys here uh we <laughs> pride ourselves on educating ourselves just to have a general conversation but really refer all our clients to legal counsel and we have a uh that are you know registered sure with the state of new hampshire and they're you know what we call elder law attorneys mm-hmm. and you know we have a list of them four or five in just the concord area and depending on where you are we have People that will say, hey, go talk to one or two of these people. Find the one you like. That's another process of planning that you want to educate yourself on. 
don't be afraid to sit down in front of anybody when it comes to this. It's your money. It's your life, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and figure out what the best option is for you. But definitely, you know, do the revocable or irrevocable, sure. whatever your attorney says, you know, the irrevocable can't be changed. The revocable can be changed. Are you, when people come to you, um, they may have some uh, working knowledge of the accumulation phase, the preservation phase, but nothing on the distribution? Or have you found that they've actually uh, have a will or are they intestate or, or they have a trust, haven't thought about it? That's an interesting question. Uh <laughs> I'm always shocked at the amount of people who have not done yeah. anything with legal documents and they're in their 50s. Uh, it, it, some, it floors me, uh, hmm. the amount, the percentage of who I see. Uh, then again, there's the, you know, the, I think it's the 80-20 rule. 20% come in, man, they've done everything to a T. Mm-hmm. It's just, I, you know, I think people are intimidated and uh, we try to tell them not to be. I get that. People get intimidated when they want to go talk to a financial advisor. They think that the advisor is going to talk, you know, way above their head to the point where they don't understand it. Well, that's not our job. Our job is to really not get into the weeds. It's Mm -hmm. to really present information to you to educate you that you can understand it in the language you can understand it. It's like me dropping my car off to the mechanic these days when I used to be able to do my old oil change and tune up. Well, nowadays, you know, it's hooking up to a computer, understanding all the diagnostics. You're talking Japanese yeah. to me. Right. Right. I, I have no idea how to tune mm-hmm. a car anymore. Right. It's just, don't, but you're not afraid. You take your car and you get it serviced. Don't be afraid to find out what's out there in the world from a financial planning standpoint. Mm-hmm. Find an advisory firm that will talk to you in, in a manner that you understand them. We pride ourselves in that. And it's one of the biggest feedbacks we've ever gotten from what I've gotten a lot of feedback from clients is, hey, Steve, you really talk to me in a fashion that I understand. That's my job layman's terms right same thing same thing with the mechanic though if he's talking over your head you're going to be like okay i'm in i'm in the fog if he talks to you let me explain exactly what happened and how this works you don't need all the details i trust you that's great that's exactly it same thing so when people come in and they they have not set up uh, wills or trusts or anything you're floored that they have no legal documents and you talk to them and impress upon them the need for that planning do they then say, well, you know, geez, that does make sense. Most of them are like, yeah. you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. one of the things I tell them is, look, it, I'm going to tell you right now, those documents are more important at this point in your life than what you're doing sitting in front of me. Really? Wow. Well, wow. because if they die tomorrow, yeah. it's right. not. No, good point. Uh, it's just, I feel that adamant about that, that I tell them, look, it, this, I feel very strongly about this. These are important documents. Have them in place. You can do that in conjunction with building a retirement plan and sitting down with us also. You can do them both simultaneously. Oh, maybe that's the little motivational kick they needed. Yeah, and so, it, usually it is. Yep, yeah. Right. Okay, now along that vein, uh, do people, uh, or do they come to you fully armed with life insurance? Or is that something that they said, well, I, the company gave it to me as part of my employment. Yeah. I don't need it. Bingo. That's, okay. that's, yep. that's what I hear a lot. Yeah. Oh, you give life insurance? Oh, yes, Sean, I do have life insurance. Uh, my employer has it. I'm like, Okay, so you make $80,000 a year, so let's say it's two times your, your base, so you have a policy for $160,000. Yeah. Okay, and you pass away. How long is your wife going to survive on your lost income with $160,000? Maybe two years, right? So it doesn't 
get you that far. Oh, would you have children? Okay, so now she can survive for another two years with the kids. Um, so life insurance is so important to have. Um, and like everything, the earlier you put it in place, the cheaper it's, it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's very, very important to understand um, what happens to your family um, if you pass away? Can your spouse pay off the debt? You know, how, what, how big is your mortgage? What kind of cars you have? You know, how are they going to pay those bills? Um, what happens, you know, to your children now that may need, they might need care during the day where they didn't need it before because they need childcare. So now you got to pay for that. Then you've got the college coming up. How are you going to afford college? Because you know what you've lost. Not only have you lost the income from your, your spouse that, who passed away, now you've lost the ability to save for that college because there's no income anymore. So um, really looking at how to protect your family um, is really key to this to this piece. And it's so much more than just paying for the funeral. Absolutely. It's so much more. The funeral is nothing. It's nothing. Yeah. I always tell my clients, the last check you write is to the funeral home, have it bounce. (laughs) (laughs) What are they going to (laughs) do? They'll come after the estate, of course. But, you know, life insurance is is a key planning component. Sure it is. And and what I run into a lot is people come in and say, yeah, I've had this for 30 or 40 years. Well, I don't know what it is. I don't know how it works. And I'm going to get rid of it. So, you know, it's my job to explain to them, number one, okay, if you're going to get rid of it, are you going to go into something else? And is there something else better out there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Okay. If you're going to get rid of it, know what you're giving up. Yeah. Something you leveraged early in your life, now you're just going to walk away from it. It's like me saying, you know, I paid into Social Security all my life. I'm taking it at 62. When my full retirement's at 67, so what is Social Security going to do? They're going to slash my Social Security benefit. I'm going to take a reduction. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a haircut. Yep. I don't yeah. want that. Right. It's the same thing with these types of things. Understanding how they work, what they're there for, what the purpose is. Yep. You know, And sometimes it just takes sitting down with us and having that discussion. Because they forget. Uh, but but mm-hmm. hold on. I, real quickly, you said you talked about Social Security at 62 and, and why that wouldn't maybe might not be a good idea. It is a good idea for some people. Yeah, right? absolutely. Here's, here's the thing. You know, It's like we keep saying over and over again, everybody's different. Yep. Everybody has unique situations. Most of the time, you don't want to collect at 62 because you get a significant discount on what you get to collect. But for some people, it makes the most sense. They have to. You, you, they have to, or, or, or you know, exactly. You've got to go through all the pros and cons and understand the scenarios to make those decisions. So if somebody is, is uh, retiring at 65, not, they didn't jump on 62, they're not waiting till 67, they're taking 65. Um, and they said, you know, I really don't have any life insurance. Uh, uh, I, I guess I could get some. Then it becomes a question, whole life, term life, where, where do they go? Yeah, I mean, it's really what you can afford from a premium yeah, standpoint. Right. That's what I'm wondering. You, you know, you may want to even look at at 65, 62, 60. Yep. You may want to look at a hybrid life insurance policy, which actually gives you the ability to use that death benefit as a living benefit to pay for the nursing home. Mm-hmm. There's, It's amazing the types of products that they've come out with and how they can help you in the whole retirement process. Because if I stand in a room and there's 100 people, over 50% of those people, I think it's now 66% of them, will be using some kind of home health care, assisted living, in-home health care services. That's a big number. Wow. And the costs are going through the roof. So it's, do you have the money to pay for it? 
Is the burden going to go on your kids? Is Medicaid going to be there to pay for it? There's a whole slew of questions you have to ask yourself, okay, and understand what the impact is to you, your family, your kids in this planning process. So that's all done during the accumulation phase because, you know, this planning is when you're accumulating. That's a product you want to accumulate. So something Mm -hmm. else to think about besides just life insurance, the long-term care. Absolutely. But there are hybrids that can incorporate. Correct. Okay. Correct. And and there's so many different variables out there of these hybrids. Sure, you can find one that fits your needs. And if you can't, then you just fall back on the traditional long-term care and see what that brings you. Mm-hmm. With every passing year, it gets more and more and more expensive to, to buy these things. Yep. Right? If you're waiting until you're 60, 63, 65, it's going to be infinitely more expensive than it would have been if you bought it when you were 50. So if you have the resources and you have the big concern about it, I highly recommend having this conversation long before you're 65 years old. Um, it, for most people and, that wait till 65, most people just can't afford it at that time. And Peter, one of the key components of what we're talking about right now is when you get into the preservation stage, yep. when you do this kind of planning, yep. you've actually preserved because now you're not, what if all of a sudden you get early onset of Alzheimer's and you were in the preservation stage and you plan preservation to cost you this. Good point. Now it costs you this. But if you did the proper planning with, you know, some kind of planning for long-term care, now you're still, you're in that preservation stage and you're able to preserve your assets and use other assets to pay for the long-term care right. that you need. All right. So you talk about increased healthcare costs as we get older. Are there phases to the preservation phase itself? There, there are. Let's think about your, you know, when you first retire, we, we call them, there's three things. We call them the go-go years, slow-go years, and no-go years. Oh. You retire, you're healthy, you want to go play golf, you're traveling, you're going on cruises, you're really enjoying this retirement, right? That's go-go. And then you start to slow down. You Less travel, less golf, the knees start to hurt. So now you're spending more time puttering at home and, and, and you know, still getting out, but just not doing as much. Uh, and then you get to your, your no-go years. That's where you're really starting to maybe feel the uh, uh, the age and um, you're just staying home. Um, get and, up. And you get up. But so so it's, it's, it's that pace. But think about the expenses. Go-go years are you're spending a lot of money. It's great. You're having fun. Slow go. Your spending goes down a little bit because you're just not doing much. And in the no-go years, your expenses then start to increase again because now you're getting more health care costs. Right. You've been listening to the Path to Wealth and Wisdom podcast, presented by Davis Wealth Management. If you have any questions, call 888-333-3818 or go online to daviswealthmgmt.com. You can also subscribe to the podcast on your favorite apps. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and Davis Wealth Management are independent of each other. Investment products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents.